G'day. My name's Indy Wood. This is The Local Update, a podcast looking at local issues, events and personalities from around the Bega Valley. And on this week's episode, we're talking bodybuilding. My guest is Michelle Martin. Michelle took out the 2019 National Bodybuilding Championships at an amateur level and then was made pro. She's now a professional bodybuilder based here in Bega. We'll hear Michelle Martin's story later in the program. She's my guest on this week's episode of The Local Update. As we do each week, we'll catch up with my friend Graham Farham. Every week on the program, I invite local history buff Graham Farham to look at the issues, events, and personalities that have made the Bega Valley what it is today. This week on the local update, Graham looks at the poetry of local Ewan man, Bruce Pascoe. I'm speaking again from Guayu for all times, an anthology of First Nations poetry. It's commissioned by Red Room Poetry and edited by Janine Lean. It was published just in, well, sort of this year. It's a um, Magabala book from Western Australia. And I found most excellent poems in it. But today I'm going to be having a look at Bruce Pascoe. Now, he published and edited Australian Short Stories magazine from 1982 to 1999. And they were very good, collections of short stories, poetry. He won the Prime Minister's Literary Award for Young Adult Fiction, Foxer Docs, in 2013. The Australian Literature Award, 1999, Radio National Short Story, 1998, and FAW Short Story, 2010. His books include Night Animals, Shark, Ocean, Bloke, I'd heard him read a little bit from Bloke, that's Penguin, 2009, Cape Otway, Chainsaw File, Oxford, 2010, Convincing Ground, Foxer Docks, Magabala bought that out again in 2012. Little Red and Yellow and Black Book, Mrs Whitlam, Magabala 2016, and Seahorse, Magabala 2015. He is of Ewan, Bunurong, Tasmanian heritage, and lives in East Gippsland and is a board member of Aboriginal Corporation for Languages. Dark Emu... A History of Aboriginal Agriculture, was published by Magabala in 2014 and won the New South Wales Premier's Book of the Year Award in 2016 and was performed by Bangara Dance Theatre in 2018. They came to Canberra, but I didn't get to see it. He was awarded the Lifetime Achievement in Literature Award by the Australian Council in 2018. Um, just recently, we've had the... Um, 2020 Shirley Hannon 
um, National Portrait Award for a um, for realistic portraiture, and there was a most excellent portrait of Bruce Pascoe on it. He was on his knees. I'm pretty sure he was planting yams. But this is um, on page 65. There's a um, little note on the side that says "New Shoots, Garden of Poems." This is called Kulakulap. Kulakulap walked from the stony shoulder of Targangal to this bend in Birarung, spoke to all the people gathered there, Witherong, Bunarong, Ma'ap, Wurundjeri, Ganai, Tongarong, all the people. And he said, the sky is falling in. Bring me poles, the longest poles. Bring me axes of sharp-edged greenstone, for the sky is falling in. The missionary arrived, as they usually do. The Kulakulop refused to speak while the man of God was there, for these were the great seer's people, and his message to them was, The sky is falling in. Bring me axes, bring me poles. Together we will repair the rent in our world. Of course, the missionary demanded to know what was said, as they usually do. And for the price of a loaf of bread to a hungry man and a blanket to a woman whose child was cold, he purchased the information that the sky was falling in. Oh, those natives, those children, their savage superstitions. Henny penny, the sky is falling in. And soon the whole of bear brass was chortling at the foolish blacks. Some guessed, as some do, that the need for poles and axes had a more metaphoric intent, a more tactical thrust, and they made sure that Kulakulup, Sky Master, Dream Master, was never seen again, just in case. How dare he assume a superior dream? And so the dust was settled, the gold was won, the sheep were shorn, banks were vaulted, parliaments raised. Of course, the gardens followed the rule of Q, as you do. No natives, of course. No natives at all, for nothing in this land could please an Englishman's hall, except, of course, the grass and gold, the beaches, a sunrise or two, the quaintness of the kangaroo, the docility of koala and wombat, the duck-billed ornithorhynchus, exotica. Unnecessary, really, when you could have a fox and a rabbit, a trout and a blackberry. Thank you, Ferdinand von Müller, creator of the gardens, destroyer of ribbons, the founder of the real Australia. Graham Farham is a member of Bega's Historical Society and through that, the Bega Pioneers Museum. We catch up with him each week to look at the issues, events and personalities from around the region that have made the Bega Valley what it is today. admission, Michelle Martin was always that girl in her school group who carried a little bit of extra weight. Moving diet to diet, she was convinced as a young woman that she wasn't going to win. So you might be surprised then to learn 
that at the age of 50, she got up on stage for the first time as part of a bikini competition. And last year, at the age of 53, she took out the 35-plus amateur age range in a national competition. She's also recently placed number five in the world in her field. I caught up with Michelle Martin recently to find out how a bigger girl ends up on the world stage in the bodybuilding scene. I've always had a fascination with uh, bodybuilding, even like when I was younger. I was always the chunky kid at school, always had extra weight. Um, my nickname at high school was Kegs because my legs were like kegs. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was always on, on a diet, you know what I mean? Like I was always one of those girls that were, oh, I'm on a diet, can't eat that. But Trying the next thing. Trying the next best thing. So it all sort of came about in 2010 when I had a breast reduction. So it always been quite big and then uh, had the reduction and I was like, wow, if I can get the rest of my body to look this good, yeah. then, you know, so that sort of kick-started it. And then I started weight training just at the uh, gym um, and went and saw a couple of bodybuilding shows and I was hooked. And I thought, oh, well, I'm going to do that. Um, so at the ripe old age of 50... <laughs> I stepped on stage in a bikini. How did that feel? Um, pretty daunting at the start. Yeah, pretty daunting. But that that was, um, I used it to get myself up there to get a little bit of confidence. And I didn't realise that the adrenaline rush would be such a high that I just kept wanting to do it again and again. So, yeah. It must have been a big emotional challenge a mental challenge as far as the kid who's always carried a bit more weight suddenly doing that oh yeah believe me she's still in there she still lives deep inside and she's sort of like you know that little voice on your shoulder that you just keep having to flick off um but yeah it was very um emotional and once i'd done it i just thought well if i can do that i can do anything the hardest part is managing to keep going. How do you do that? Uh, it's a daily struggle for me. I, I see myself. I, I, you know, I've never had any anorexia or anything like that. I struggle with a little bit of bulimia when I was a teenager, as a lot of teenage girls do, from one extent to another. But I constantly have to keep reminding myself that food's not the enemy. And that's where a lot of people struggle. They think, oh, there's good foods and there's bad foods. Well, there's not. You have to use your food as fuel because if you don't put fuel in your car, it doesn't go. Mm. So basically that's my mindset now. Um, it's, it's a constant roller coaster when you are someone who's always struggled to lose weight and then you choose a sport where looking good is your number one goal, then that can be a little bit of a mind game. So you've got to be aware of what you're thinking. You didn't just lose weight and enter one competition though, did you? You have now got to the point where you top the field. Yeah, that was a bit of a, a, a mind blow. <laughs> that was a bit, <laughs> bit crazy. So yeah, I started off, with, like you start in the ranks, um, I stepped onto stage as a bikini model. Then the next thing is sports model, fitness model, figure model and physique model. So I've worked my way up through those fields, um, slowly growing more muscle mass. So the leaner 
and the more muscle mass you have, the higher you go in those ranks. So uh, May 2019, I stepped on stage as a physique competitor. So that's the most muscular in the women's field. Um, And I was awarded the over 35 champion, the open champion and the overall state champion. So that was the state competition in May last year. That qualified me then to go to national championships with the National Bodybuilding Association. So there's lots of different federations and that's the one that I have chosen to compete with. Um, So at their national levels, I was awarded the over 35 national champion. Um, Then I was invited to go on stage um, in what they call their pro show, their professional show. So they're paid athletes and I came third in that. So then I was awarded my pro card. So when you're awarded your pro card, you can either accept it to go pro or you can say, oh, no, I'd rather stay amateur. I actually accepted my pro card. So now I'm, I'm a professional bodybuilder. That must come with a whole lot more kind of commitments and responsibility then. Definitely, yeah. You have to compete with that association at their pro show every year. Um, then if you want to compete with another federation, so there's probably about five or six in Australia, Um, You have to have permission from your federation to compete as a non-pro or an amateur at the other federations. So after I got my pro card in October last year, um, I got invited to step on the world stage with another federation called ICN. Um, And when I competed there, I came fifth in the world. So I was pretty stoked about that. (laughs) Wow. I want to... I want to step back a step here because we kind of just skipped over one point, which is that you're not a 35-year-old. You're a woman with children and grandchildren. How did that feel to be in that field and topping it? Oh, that was, yeah, phenomenal. Um, like, I've stepped on stage with 20-year-olds and, and come away with a win or, or a place. Um, and as a 54-year-old grandmother, that's a bit of a, a, a boost, you know, that's I've sort of been able to um, go up against women much younger than me um, who've been doing it for longer than me. I've only been doing this for four years. So I stepped on stage in 2016. So this is four years, whereas some of the women I'm up against, that's their, their job, that's their life. Mm-hmm. Their fitness coaches or their, their personal trainers or, yeah. So it's a big change. <laughs> Speaking of fitness coaches, etc., how do you work with someone being here in Bega? Um, I've had um, a really good coach over the last twelve months. She's um, another. She's a professional in another federation and in IFBB. Um, her name is Rose Black, um, and due to COVID and everything, we haven't actually got myself to stage. So we've, you know, we just said, well, we'll just hold off and see what happens. Um, it's it's quite um, easy if you know how. If you were someone starting out, you'd be better off to go one-on-one face-to-face. But because I've been doing it for a little while, I can actually, you know, work with someone online or on the phone. And, you know, we send each other videos and make sure, that, like, you know, my measurements are all right, my photos are okay. Yeah, so um, the check-ins are, are quite rigorous. So you need to have your diet on point. Um, you know, I measure myself weekly, I take photos weekly, I do 
videos of my workouts I do videos of my posing and everything so to make sure that that's all on point it must be hard as someone who you know perhaps has that mental battle about the amount of work you've got to do it must be hard in this COVID time where you can't go and compete to kind of keep yourself going Mm, it is it's it's um not as hard for me because I'm very goal focused so yes we've had to sort of um rearrange a few things with competitions being cancelled my pro show that was supposed to be on the 7th of November was just cancelled so no competition again for me this year um so I'm looking at you know I've got to say to myself well okay we're possibly going to start up again in March so okay how many weeks have I got until March this is my you know my countdown this is where I need to be physically mentally and nutritionally Um, and it also helps that I'm actually a nutritionist now myself and I've just become an accredited um, trainer so that that sort of helps me keep motivated because I'm still in the throes of the studies and you know like the, the education part of it which keeps me um, quite enthused in it you know like to try new things and yeah to keep my body ticking along and working with others in a gym while you're at home kind of thing yeah well, I've got a gym set up at my home so um, I've just qualified as a smart training 365 trainer so when COVID stops mucking around with us and we can get stuff sent in from wherever I'll get some new equipment and hopefully I can start training some some ladies myself so you one of the things you were meant to do this year was go and compete in a competition that's kind of uh mentored by Arnold Schwarzenegger but that didn't happen hey no that's right they um because COVID had just started to kick off in um we were supposed to do the Arnold's in March but unfortunately I had a a double whammy not only did COVID put a a spanner in the works there but I also had an accident and broke four ribs and punctured a lung and bruised my liver so ouch I was out (laughs) yes I was down for the count so a couple of days in intensive care and yeah no Arnold's for me but um I'm on the mend now so yeah that's good are you I mean doing the bodybuilding thing is is it weight lifting as well like are you measuring how much you can lift no, not at all. So this is the the wonderful thing with this the um, the way that I train through Smart Training three six five and a lovely chap in the states called Doug Brignoli. Um, I don't do any what they call compound lifting, so I don't do any um, front squats. I don't do any deadlifts. I don't do any overhead presses. Smart Training three six five is all about the body moving as the body should. So you're moving your muscle from insertion to origin. Um, minimal injury risk but maximum muscle building energy effects so it's it's going to blow the whole thing out of the water it's just a completely different way of looking at it but it's it's science so it's physics Um, it's all about levers and pulleys and how the body works as a machine Mm. um and yeah sort of it really reduces the risk of injury with these compound lifts they're a little bit more ineffective but if you're a power lifter or if you want to see how much you can bench your squat or or deadlift fine go for it 
you know like you've just got to realize that the injury risk is a little bit higher and you're getting less bang for your buck so you're putting in more effort and you're not getting as much muscle growth out of it so with the smart training 365 you're honing it in to working that muscle as the body intended and you're getting maximum effort for maximum growth for minimum effort so yeah, it's a it's a really revolutional sort of way of training. Okay, you said before that to be pro you had to compete every year. What does COVID do to that though? Have they had to change that? Definitely, yeah, they've had to really um, basically give us a pass. So you know, like um, there's it's all out of our control. So. I guess when things go almost back to normal or as normal as they can be, we may have another pro show. They may even say, well, look, we'll bring it, because it's usually in October, November, they may bring it forward to March. So you've got season A and season B. They may bring the season B pro show into season A. It's all, everyone's sort of like playing a guessing game at the moment. So, yeah, we'll see. That must make it hard as far as trying to keep yourself in a plan and a routine and try to keep yourself motivated. Yeah, yep. Um, the motivation's always there. Um, and like I say, I, I love the training that much that it's just something that I do every day. Um, it, if I can just tick along and stay at, a, at a, a level where I'm happy, then I can tweak a few things if I need to go into a competition prep. So usually my competition prep's about 20 weeks. Um, I could always pull it into 12 or even 8. So it just depends on what their decisions are and, yeah, how mm. we go from there. You said before that the motivation was that you started to lose some weight, but you really changed shape, didn't you? How was the? How did your family, how did your friends react to the change in what is the new you? Yeah, my family just, yeah, they love it. Um, my husband, he's, yeah, he's my number one supporter and my, my daughters and my grandchildren, they're, they're right behind me. Um, my grandkids love when I come to hang out with them because we just go nuts and I play like a, yeah, 10-year-old. So, yeah, they're really ecstatic about it. And my family are really proud of me and, you know, their, their support, is, it just... It blows my mind how supportive they are of me. They like they come to most of my comps. It doesn't matter where they are. They yeah they try and get there. It must be a really important part of this whole thing to have a team behind you, whatever that is. It is definitely yeah. You've got to have the support. Um, I've spoken to a lot of ladies recently about um, some of the ways that you know bit of old school training and that where it can be a very selfish sport um, because you're you're eating differently to everyone else you're training all the time um, I've spoken to women who found that they've become like quite moody and quite separated from from their families but it doesn't have to be like that um, I've proven that you can have it any way you want it as long as you're dedicated enough to slot that into your life, it doesn't have to take over your life. Is there a, a number one, a key tip that you have that's the, the first step for you with anyone? Consistency. If you're not consistent and you don't believe in yourself, then yeah, forget it. You, you need to be consistent and you need to believe that you can do it. Michelle Martin is nationally the number one in her class of the amateur bodybuilding she also currently sits at number five in the world standings within her class and is now at a professional level as a bodybuilder and no doubt has 
big things ahead. You're listening to The Local Update, a podcast looking at local issues, events and personalities from around the Bega Valley. You can find info about this episode and all previous episodes at indymedia.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast using your favourite podcast provider. A huge thank you to Michelle Martin for her time in this week's episode. And thanks, as always, to my regular contributor, Graham Farron. Indie Media recognises the Yuan people as the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. Next week on the program, well, when fire ripped through Cabargo, destroying a whole lot of houses, among all the things that were lost, of course, were a whole lot of tools. And if you're trying to start your life again on an empty lot and rebuild your house, you need access to the tools to be able to build. Next week on the program, we're going to find out about the Cabargo Tool Library, which has been operating for a few months now and offering a whole host of amazing services. That's coming up next week on The Local Update. My name's Indy Wood. Thank you for your time. And don't forget, of course, you can catch The Local Update every Sunday morning between 11am and midday on 93.7 Edge FM, local community radio in the Beaker Valley. Thanks for your time. I'll catch you again next time. Bye now.